But I believe that little red airplane said something to me as it swished by. Okay, so she was on drugs at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Fierce Females of History podcast, where we tell stories of fierce women through history that you should know about. My name is Lucy. I'm Talissa. My name's Erin. So today I am talking to you about a woman you've probably heard of. Amelia Earhart. Yes, you know, the first time I heard about her was actually watching Night at the Museum 2, <laughs> where she was played by Amy Adams. You and me both, dude. Really? Yeah. You've never heard of her before? No, it was Night at the Museum. Come on. Actually, no, I we've did got, not. I knew ben about Stiller, her. Yes. Ben Stiller classic. I did an app once that tells you what celebrity you look like, and I got Ben Stiller. <laughs> <laughs> That's a legitimate Don't true worry. story. I did the same app, and I got Robert Duvall. Who's He's that? very old and <laughs> Actually, while we're here, I will Google. You Please tell me. not look like Robert Duvall. Wait. I know the listeners can't see us, okay. but Are you guys I definitely do not look like you Ben You guys Stiller. do not look like Ben Stiller. Oh, I'm so old. He's like fully got like age spots on. He doesn't even have any features. <laughs> well, apparently that's who I looked like on this app. Maybe it was my massive Maybe you like do not <laughs> to the side and like squint and actually just like close your eyes completely. And then, then imagine Robert Duvall. Like <laughs> Anywho, back to Amelia Earhart. Oh. She was born in July uh, 1897. <gasps> sorry. What if she's Leo like me? Kansas. Kansas, like, like Dorothy. Like Toto. Yeah. And she grew up climbing trees and apparently shooting rats as well, which is classic tomboy behaviour. She went to high school in Chicago and funnily enough, while she was in high school, she kept a scrapbook of other successful women. So other pioneers and entrepreneurs. Like a mood board. Yeah, and they're like, you know, film directors and mechanics. I love that for her. Just really cool. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to follow these women, which is great that even back then this fantastic woman was trying to follow in the footsteps of other fantastic That's really cool. Yeah. We should make one of those. (laughs) We should. Uh, And she worked assisting nurses in World War I, which is also very cool. But I don't think that was that unusual for the time, but still cool. She ended up getting pneumonia and a really bad sinus infection following the war. So she spent a year recovering, during which time she read poetry, learned to play the banjo, and studied mechanics. She's a country queen. <laughs> we don't deserve. <laughs> but it's like, it's like a little fact about Amelia Earhart. You know, like she played, played the banjo. banjo. Good yeah. honour. That's a great. Got to have a hobby, yeah. you know. <laughs> and then uh, she went to an airfield and saw a flying exhibition with uh, just some fantastic pilots. And at the time, she said, I did not understand it at the time, but I believe that little red airplane said something to me as it swished by. Okay, so she was on drugs at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was like metaphorical. Like, the hey, Amelia, what's up? <laughs> you will do a great thing. You're great with the banjo. Yeah. <laughs> you're a banjo, dude. You're really good at scrapbooking. <laughs> Continuing. I think it's more likely that the plane was saying, you should fly me one day. Yeah, you should Unlikely. ride me. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Out of everything I would have said, Lucy. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a successful aviator. Uh, Yes, then in December 1920, she visited another airfield where a guy, Frank Hawks, which is a great name for a pilot. Yeah, very. Good name. Who would become an air racer. 
gave her a ride, which confirmed to her that she needed to do this with her life. And she immediately became determined to fly, worked a bunch of jobs uh, to save up for lessons. And her first lesson was with a female pilot, which is kind of a nice way to start. Also a cool name, Anita Snook. Why do people back, like in that era, have such cool names? Really sharp and funky. Yeah, Anita Snook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she had to take Anita Snook. What's a snook? I need a snook. Is that one of those, like, s- those scarves that were, like, around scarves? Snood. Oh, snood. Snood. I need a snood. It's a weird word. <laughs> it sounds like, I need to snood. It's cold. I need a snood. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she had to take the bus to the end of the line and then walk, like, another six kilometres just to get to the airfield. And, like, six kilometres takes a long That's time hard. to do. Yeah. So that was um dedication. Six months later, she bought a plane, which she named she the bought Canary. bought a plane? Yeah, she bought a plane. Yeah. Casual. Did she have a job at the time as well? Obviously. Uh, she had probably. several jobs to save up for, yes, queen. for her lessons. And then I imagine that she was working throughout that. Just hustling. Yeah. yeah. To buy a plane. Mm. As you do. October 1922, she flew to 14,000 feet, which was the world record for female pilots. And I was curious because I was like, how old was she at the time? And she was 25. That's us, y'all. And if, no. you, if you could break a record, what record would you want to break? Probably something associated with food. <laughs> I was just thinking like the world's loudest noise or alternatively making the la- noise for the longest amount of time. Like <laughs> like choose your strengths kind of thing. <laughs> I'm really competitive regardless. And when we were on school camp, we did a wall sit competition. Oh, yes. And you had to nominate someone from your team. And of course, because, you know, boys are so much stronger than girls. Oh. All the boys got chosen from their teams to do this wall sit. And we were in... Sit? You literally like, it's like you're sitting oh, on a chair. It's like you're sitting on a chair, but your back's up against the wall okay. and there's no chair. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And it hurts after a long time. So I was, I was like, I volunteer as tribute from our team because we were all girls anyways. Mm-hmm. And I fucking won. Yes, you yeah, did. I was like, one. Women, it's just so dumb. Like guys have chicken legs. Girls I know. generally don't have chicken exactly. legs. Exactly. have got, got stronger th- legs. I got me thunder thighs to hold me up. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> I want the record for um, the most amount of money. Maybe for like solving climate change. Yeah, I don't I know. Pre- oh. First person oh solve my God. And of world course. peace. And oh, thank you so much to all the ex. And I said I just want to Miss Universe is giving me this honor. <laughs> Let's um, do <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but then she had to sell the canary during the financial crisis. GFC. She, so she, no, oh. the one in 19, like the 1920s. Oh, the depression. 1920s? Not Great 1930s. Depression. Great Depression. Yeah, the Great Depression. Anyway, and she bought an automobile, which she called the Yellow Peril, which not a plane, but much cooler name than yeah. the Canary, the Yellow Peril. And then she was hospitalized for another sinus infection in 1924. This girl is in and out of hospital because her sinuses just won't stop acting up, which when you think about it is not ideal for, for an plane. aviator. Yeah. Yeah. Is popping on a plane suck. Anyway, while she was rehabilitating, she was writing columns about flying and began planning an organization dedicated to female flyers. So she's already trying to like get a movement going. Yeah. Then in April t- 1928, she got a call that she at first ignored because she was too busy. And then eventually she answered the call and it was a guy called Captain Hilton H. Rayleigh, another great name, who asked her, would you like to fly the Atlantic? And she was like, yes. So she did it with cool. two men. And she was the first woman to do it. It took 20 hours and 40 minutes, but she didn't pilot. Then she met the president. Press started calling her the queen of the air. She authored a book and she continued to use celebrity endorsements to finance her flying. She had clothing lines and 
Oh my god! Like luggage, which be like things that sort I'm of thing. I'm in the air, thanks to my brand of toothpaste. Toothpaste, you should use it every day. I love flying. Look that. Very much. That was very good. <laughs> very on I brand. I was going to say a brand of toothpaste. I was like, well, what if we ever get sponsored by a brand of toothpaste? <laughs> I don't know. I think if just that would be sponsored amazing. by like maybe like a tissue company or a given her sinus infection. Yeah. Relevant. Yeah. Relevant. Demazine. Relevant. Demazine. Exactly. Please sponsor us, Demazine. Maybe to it. Yes. Um, and she authored a book and she took a position as associate editor of which women's magazine do you guys think? Us Weekly. Cosmopolitan. No, Cosmo. Cosmo. Yeah, Cosmo. What? Cosmo. Like, don't sleep on Cosmo, you guys. When was this? This was sometime in the 1920s. I did not know Cosmo was that old. Yeah. Yeah. When yes. uh, People used to actually was- read physical Magazine. things with pages they still gave yep. sex tips uh they gave aviation tips that's Whoa. what she wrote about she Is used to she used to talk about women in aviation like she was an associate editor and she used her lines that is really big for that time yeah do, do, am i wrong or no, like i, I didn't know cosmo was that old i still wouldn't expect <laughs> to read about aviation in cosmopolitan anyway cosmopolitan wasn't doing it for her she she wanted to fly the atlantic by herself so mm-hmm. like i said she wasn't piloting that original flight, she was in the back. She referred to herself kind of as luggage because she was just sort of there. I'm sure that she was doing more because otherwise why would you ask her? But, yeah, she wasn't piloting, so she wanted to do it. So she did. She became the first woman to fly solo across um, the Atlantic and then she became the first woman to fly solo across North America and back. She was involved in a group called the 99s, another great name, dedicated female pilots providing moral support and encouraging the advancement. Uh, she became the president and she married George Putnam, who was cool. apparently man. had to propose six times before she agreed. Yes, she that, yeah. did. And they got married in 1931. And she didn't change her last name. In fact, he started to be referred to as Mr. Earhart. Yay. The New York Times wanted to refer to her as Mrs. Putnam because that was apparently in their style guide at the time. Yucky poo-poo. Yeah, I mean... Get it together, NYT. She referred, she called her marriage a partnership with dual control, which is kind of That's the way boss. you want to yeah. think of your marriage. Also, it sounds like a plan. Yeah. Dual control. May 1932, she crosses the Atlantic in wow. 14 hours and 56 minutes. She is not only the first woman to do this, she is only the second person. That's ever. sick. That's sick. Also, she'd be so tired. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I, one of my old jobs was working in a helicopter, and one of the pilots. So there was a, a station here in Sydney and then there was also a, the same thing but over in Brazil. He what? flew a helicopter from Sydney. A helicopter? To Brazil. What? I didn't think that they could go that far. Oh, they can't. They stop. But they, he does it. He what? did it. Crazy. Anyways. And <laughs> she arrived and she landed in a field and a farmhand asked her, have you flown far? And she replied, from America. Uh, which is kind of like Which is great, really casual. Where did she land? America. In a field, apparently. I think it was somewhere in Ireland. Oh, like Atlantic is to Europe. Mm. Okay, I didn't know that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, from America. Geographically. <laughs> and then in 1937, she decided, I want to circumnavigate the globe. Other people had done it before, mm-hmm. but her route would be the longest because she was going to pretty much track the equator. Okay. So it was going to be about 47,000 kilometres, which is a long way to go. She was going to fly west to east because uh, of the weather. In the different conditions. And she was flying with a guy called Captain Fred Noonan. They departed Miami June the 1st, flew into South America, Africa, continental India, 
Southeast Asia until they hit New Guinea on June 29th. They only had 11,000 kilometres left to go. Only. Only 11,000. Yeah, Just yeah. casual. But they didn't have that much left to do over the Pacific. But this is where it went wrong. They were looking for Howland Island, which was just two kilometres long and 500 metres wide. That's and I mean, I don't know much nothing. about aviation. But, but to find that. I don't know how you would land a plane on that. Especially without the GPSing that they have now. Yeah. Oh my God, duh. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, very, like, very difficult. Balls. Well, that was the thing. They realised that it was going to be really, really hard to find this island and so they had they had like ships there that they like light all of your lights so you they could see it right and that was the idea they they chucked everything off the plane before they left new guinea so that it was as light as possible because they only had enough fuel to get them 247 kilometers extra so they had to hit the island right you know they were in a bit of trouble is it likely that they won't make it is that what we're getting at here (laughs) i'm nervous like it doesn't sound like they're going to have much of a shot. It That's what really I'm saying. It, it, they, they, they had everything lined up. So they had the radio communications. They had the maths. They knew that if they measured things at certain points and it was correct, then they would do I'm it. I'm really nervous. And I think that this was, oh, stars. And they, they had radios. And, like, this isn't, you know, they did have technology that, that they trusted enough. And people had done this before. They just hadn't done her Route. Okay. Okay. In saying that, it got cloudy and they couldn't see the stars. So the guys on the ship, there was a ship called the Atasca that was by the island that mm-hmm. was meant to guide them in with like radio people on it. And they could hear the people on the plane. They could hear Amelia, but Amelia couldn't hear them. Oh my God. Uh, they figured that the aircraft's direction finder also wasn't functional. Oh, shit. And they figured out that the ship and the flight's radio frequencies, they just couldn't be tuned in. Something had happened. They weren't sure whether... So everything is going tits up. Yeah, whether something had... They'd discarded something or something had happened during taxiing and takeoff right. and that sort of thing. Or whether just there was a, an error Problem. that they just, you know, made a mistake. Anyway, there's an Itasca radio log from 7.30, a.m. that morning saying, Earhart running out of gas, only half an hour left, can't hear us at all, we hear her... And they're sending on 3105 ES500. I'm not sure what that means. Same time constantly. So I think they're just sending out the same message, hoping that she's going to pick it up because they can hear her. Imagine she can't hear that. I'm so nervous. I yeah. know. Oh um, God, you're like holding your face. You look so stressed. I'm, just, I'm biting my bottom lip. <laughs> and then the, the ship tries to generate smoke, like send up smoke into the air so that, it, that they can, the plane can see them and come to them. But either the plane couldn't see them or they couldn't get them. And then they disappeared. The flight disappears. And there's sporadic signals for the next few days, but nothing that they can use. The US government starts this $4 million search. US $4 million. million back then. Uh, yeah, it's the largest, most costly, most extensive aviation search for a plane in US history oh, at the time. It lasted until, yeah, it lasted for a little while. But no physical evidence that could be verified was ever found. And then her partner couldn't really even do anything with her estate. Because hang on, hang on. Pause, 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 pause. They've never, ever, 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 ever nope. found anything nope. from that plane. No. Nope. Nothing. That's They've it. got clues, but there was so much interest in the matter that the radio signals that they were sending out, there were all these stations sending out signals trying to find her and they've gotten tangled and they're like, we don't even know if that's her or if it's another station. 
We don't know where she landed. They couldn't find her because of all of the errors in the communications of the last few Oh my god! Days and they found like notes and like messages, but they're like these could also be hoaxes and that sort of thing. They never found her. Yeah, and so she was declared legally dead in 1939 because her husband couldn't even like use her estate or anything. He couldn't get to it because she wasn't declared dead. Yeah, so she had to be declared legally dead. They never found a body. The conspiracy theories behind this story. Yes. So there was a lot of speculation. There okay. were a few different theories. So did she crash in sync, which seems the most plausible, but you'd think that they would find something. Okay. Again, look at the modern technology yeah, we no. have and it's still We still can't, can't find things. Find. Yeah. yeah. There was that we, theory. Not us, <laughs> we're not physically And they said that maybe it. her plane wasn't properly fueled at uh, before they left Guinea. Or did she make it to an island? Others thought that she made it to an island. And they did find things like that. So there was a flight that passed over and saw signs of habitation. But then they didn't find anything else. They just saw signs of someone recently living there, and that was it. Whoa. And then, some uh, sometime later, they found a skull on another island in the vicinity. Um, but they weren't sure if it was male or female. There's different studies. Some are saying it was female. Others are saying it was definitely. And they weren't a male able to skull. identify anyone with that skull. No, they thought that maybe it was her skull, but, but Dana, other people say that maybe it was that no, this is a male's. The third theory was that she was captured by the Japanese oh, and wow. executed. Holy guacamole. I mean, my preferred theory is that she just kind of wanted to get away from the from the press and the fame. And so she like bailed. Bailed. Bye. But I don't think that's I don't think happened. she would have made it very far, right? No, she's in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. What if she yeah. left Guinea and she just lived there happily ever after? Let's say that's what happened. Let's say that's what okay. happened. I don't okay. think it was. But, yeah, it's actually one of the greatest mysteries. There's people who've dedicated, like, decades of their lives to trying to find out where Amelia Earhart went. And there's different airports named after her and universities give out scholarships and she's a massive, massive, massive figure. She was in Night at the Museum. But, yeah, that was Uh her story. She was really... Wild. I mean, that ended so sadly. She did, but she died doing what she loved, which is such a cliche. But hopefully, I don't know. I no, you never know. It's like that. What is that? What people think, or is it like, fuck? They died doing what they love. This is. I was, but it's like this is what is going to kill me. Yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day, though, she would have made strides and leaps for female pilots. Look at you know. The effort they put into finding her obviously shows what an icon she was. She was. She was iconic. She still is. Yeah. Need to find somewhere to wrap this up. Yeah, Aaron's I'm trying looking. to find one. Can we just say? Can we just? Can nah, we just say like, I think I've lost story, it. Loose. Thanks for sharing. Great story, Luz. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> that brings us to the end of our episode today. Thanks for joining us. You can hit us up on email, which is history at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Fierce Females Podcast. Or you can just blink in rapid succession. Hopefully we can decipher the Morse code. 